Hey, I'm Zora. And I'm Blue. And this is the Asexuality Podcast. Hey, welcome. It's episode 10. Yay. And the theme is... Relationships. Yeah. Uh, romantic relationships. Yeah. Yeah. All of the romantic relationships. So for this one, uh, we've already gotten some awesome feedback and questions, which is great. Uh, we're loving it. Please continue to send more. And since a whole bunch were, you know, on the theme, and since otherwise, basically, this episode would be 45 seconds long and us saying, aces could be in relationships, have a good night. <laughs> um, basically, rather than have a separate feedback section, we're going to, uh, we're just kind of, um, we're going to answer these questions to... Yeah. Uh, sorry, this will be out about a week late. Um, blame my sinus infection. It wasn't great. <laughs> but on the bright side, I don't also sound like a gravely ill Kermit the Frog anymore. So <laughs> that would have been rough to listen to. I mean, I'm sure it would so have had its own type of charm. You're welcome. <laughs> it would have had its own type of charm. It would have, um, it, yeah. It would, it would have done it's something. It's not easy being gangrenous. <laughs> so the first one is from Beanie. Beanie asks, Hi, I'd like to ask, are there any tips on how to accept the fact that you are aromantic, i.e. knowing that you will never have the life your parents want for you, or just acceptance of your orientations in general? Thank you. Uh, yeah, we got opinions, all right. Oh, yeah, totally. I won't say that it's easy, especially at first. Um, yeah. It's it, it does take some kind of self pep talking to to really retrain your mind to to accepting something like that because it's not just families a lot of the times it's also society in general and media that kind of drills it into your head that this is that romantic relationships are a thing that you're supposed to want. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for me personally, I I spent a lot of time just every time I would have one of those negative thoughts pop in my head, I would just consciously kind of tell myself, nope, nope, we're not doing that right now. What we, you know, we're not, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm, I'm fine. I, I'm just different and that's okay. I don't have to want these things just because other people tell me I should. Mm -hmm. Um, and on top of that, I have a habit of getting a little bit indignant whenever anybody tries to tell me what I should and shouldn't do, um, wherein it applies to my own uh, my own life and my and you know basically things. I mean, obviously there's good and bad, but like and there's right and wrong. But when it comes to things like this, I can get a tad self righteous. So. <laughs> Anytime my mom would, you know, bring up, what about babies? And what about, you know, getting married and the dress and all of that crap? And I would just be like, no, no, I don't want it. And then that would help feed into that as well. You really want to get the dress. You could just give me a couple thousand dollars and call it a day. I mean, I would rather take that, yeah, take that couple thousand dollars, put it towards like a vacation or something. (laughs) I don't need to spend it on a dress I'm only going to wear once. Yeah. Um, when it comes to, I obviously can't really speak to aromanticism, but accepting um, orientations or accepting your identity in general, um, I can talk to that. And for me, it's, you know, there's always, you know, you hear about the people who, oh, well, I knew from 
the moment I first got my first acne pimple when I hit puberty, bam, all I wanted was all I knew that I was gay and this and you know what? Kudos to them. Um but not everyone's like that. And I think to an extent it does kind of suck for the people who don't f- know right away because they like I know at least for myself it, uh, and for some people it can feel like um everyone else is saying like oh yeah I knew right away I knew from when I was a kid I knew blah 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 and you're sitting there kind of like well and you don't know and you're you know getting older you're up to like 18 years old and you don't know and you're like well you're just lost because you're like I I, I didn't know right away and you feel like maybe like it's it's it throws you off yeah um and yeah it's I I'm glad for the people who do realize like like my like my husband he's known he was by since he was 14 yeah 14 and like that's awesome that's great that you're able to be that like to know that that early and to be able to really get settled into it over the course of growing up but like me for example every facet of my orientation has always seems to almost always be just this slow slide with varying degrees of bad um <laughs> Like, for me with asexuality, it was something I didn't realize until I was 18. And for me to finally fully kind of, like, accept it, it took six months of a rough... And a rough six months. So, um, I found as I got older with newer... With different kind of facets of... That's the word of the day. Facet. (laughs) Um, With different facets of my identity that I've... I have to just kind of like, and it doesn't help when you have something like like OCD, which is you know it it feeds it creates doubt deliberately mm-hmm. within your mind, but like you just kind of have to like embrace it, and I think acknowledge that like this is what I am, and if you really embrace it, and then once you've embraced it, you find you realize no wait this isn't right, then then you found out it isn't right. Uh, you can't know something's a hundred percent, I think in a lot of cases wrong until you've tried it. Like I had to go through a couple layers of, of trying stuff, but like I had to be like, at first I was like, okay, maybe I'm just like, uh, demisexual, but that wasn't quite right. So I was like, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm gray sexual. And this was more so to me, like some weird resistance I had to just, but it took like, trying those and no and seeing like no that's not quite it to get till I got to asexual and I was like okay this is it like this is this is it and and you know every now and then and I I hear this from people all over the the LGBT community it's like every now and then you have these doubts but it's it almost seems like a key part of having a non uh majority identity to mm-hmm. an extent yeah that like like every now and then you'll I think there's always these doubts um, but then there'll be like something, usually I find it'll be something someone else says and that you're like, okay, I can't relate to that at all. Like, again, back to my husband, I was trying to ask him, I was like, trying to figure out where he'd say, I'd say he places on the the kidney scale. I say, uh, uh, uh kidney scale. Wow. <laughs> the Kinsey scale. It's the new misconceptions. <laughs> uh, jeez. <laughs> uh, one a week. Um, <laughs> Uh, welcome, welcome to Blue Bungles English. Uh, um, I was trying to ask him, like, so in the past, have you been more like sexually attracted to like guys or like 
girls, like, which has it been more often? And he was like, I don't know. That's so many people. I was like, what? <laughs> so I was like, it's like, okay, every now and then I have doubts. And then I hear someone say, I can't tell. That's so many people. And I'm just like, all right. Good to know. That's like, all that. <laughs> can't, can't relate to that. N- never mind. I'm, I feel good. Yeah. But, um, I, back to like, just in general accepting, I think you have to just kind of like, let yourself embrace it and let it become natural to you and it'll grow into it. And sometimes with some orientations, you really got to, I'm not sure how this would play into say aromanticism, but sometimes you just got to really lean into it heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, overcompensate. I, I remember I was, I saw recently someone basically posted this kind of infographic where it was like a teeter totter. And basically you have to put, more weight on the up, like a lot of weight on the. If you have all your weight on the one side at the at first, you got to put all this. Like you can't just. You can get there by slowly adding weight to the other side, but it'll take forever. What you got to do is add a lot of the weight to the other side at once if you need it to balance out. Right. Because sometimes, and like I find, I tend to just have to like overcompensate, mm-hmm. and then I'll balance and like level out. But you kind of gotta really force yourself to embrace it, I think, to an extent. Yeah. I mean, and um, and one of the ways that you can really, like you said, add that weight to the other side that I found is just getting involved in the community itself. Like, I, after mm-hmm. I got involved in the blog, in the chat room, um, and started spending more time around other people that also identified as, as Arrow or Ace and or yeah. Ace, um, Surrounding yourself with people like that, it creates a support system of people that understand yeah. you and understand where you're coming from because they, they come from those same places themselves. So yeah. it, it gets a lot easier whenever you have a support system like that where you're not feeling like you're the only one and no one that you no one in your life understands where you're coming from on it. That helps a yeah. lot. Yeah, support, uh, support. Having a good support group is a very important thing. And um, before we move on to the next question, I just want to touch on the part in the middle there um about parents i think with that you know at the end of the day it's it's your life and i think you have to sometimes like you have to i think you have to know that like your parents can't expect to own your life and they can't expect to get what they want out of your life it's it's your life and and don't try to change yourself or who you are especially not core parts of you to to try and be what they want you to be right but um and sometimes you have to know when it's something that when it's something like that you know there's nothing you can do about it then there's no point in dwelling on it that's generally my motto with things is if i know there's nothing i can do about it then dwelling on it and worrying about it does nothing but stresses me out and it doesn't right. help the problem it's not going to fix anything it's not going to solve anything so there's no there's no point so right i mean and and, and if life progresses the way that it, it that it's supposed to you'll outlive your parents and if you live your life for them then when they're gone you won't have a strong sense of self and you won't have an idea of you may not have you you might be find yourself a little bit more lost than you otherwise would have been because if you don't establish that sense of self now and figure out who you are and who you how you want your life to look 
if you constantly live your life for other people, then when those people are no longer there to guide you, you're a bit adrift. You can end up a bit adrift. And so it's, it's better to try to back off of that and, and establish your, your sense of self. Yeah. Thank you for writing in, Beanie. Yeah, thanks, Beanie. So the next one is from Mimi Bear, and they say, um, I just wanted to say that the podcast is great, and I love it, and I wanted to know, what do people in relationships, I, uh, what do people do in relationships, i.e., what are the benefits of dating someone besides all the sex stuff? What is there to dating besides cool nicknames and hugs? Um, first of all, Lots. Yeah, for, first oh. of all, thanks for the, the compliment on the podcast. We appreciate it. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's there's lots of benefits. Um, I mean, because even relationship, romantic relationships, within that you know between non-ace people, it's not all about sex. That's not the defining characteristic. I mean, sex can be a part of it. Um, yeah, can be an important part of it for a lot of people, but it's not only sex. Didn't I just go on like a five minute rant about that last episode? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like uh, any healthy relationship should be based on far more than sex. It's it's a relationship is about it's companionship. It's someone to spend time with. It's someone to do things with. It's someone that you're content just uh, sitting on a couch with doing nothing uh, or watching them utterly do horribly at Final Fantasy 15, it's at the end of the day. If if you're th- saying like, what is there to do? I think that's kind of a, a weird question because I don't know about like stuff to do. Like there's stuff to do, like dates, I guess. But even those, depending on the people, aren't necessarily that important. Like like we're married and we've been on apparently only like two dates, if you don't count a road trip. So. Two dates, possibly three, uh, of the, like, eight years we've known each other, four off and on that we've dated, and, like, being married, like, we haven't gone on a date since we got married, but neither of us has a problem with that. We're just not the kind of people who need, like, some people do need to go out, like, once once a week or once a month and go out on the town and do something, but we aren't the kind of people who are like, oh, oh, we need to, I need to go out, I'm feeling, we're very introverted people. Um, yeah, your homebodies. Yeah, we're yeah, but yeah. but like we're enough for. But that's not the point of this question. The point of this question, like things. Let me see. Things to do, and hey, don't knock cool nicknames and hugs. Hugs are great, and nicknames are too. Yeah, maybe part of me thinks that maybe the the question is actually more along the lines of What's if you're the point? or or if you're if you're ace and you're in a romantic relationship and you're not having sex with your partner, what makes that relationship different than a platonic relationship? Why, what makes it inherently romantic if you're not having sex? Um, okay. That's a, that's I mean, a way that, to look at it. That's one way to interpret it that I think would make it a little bit easier. I mean, that would, um, yeah, I mean, in my mind and the way that I've always explained it is that, the thing that makes it a romantic relationship is the two people involved deciding that it's romantic um, and that it's yeah. whatever it, that's the label that they put on it between themselves. Um, it's a good, yeah. It's, it, it's that, that determination. So, I mean, just because somebody else might look at it from the outside and say, oh, well, that's just friendship. 
okay, but we call it romantic. It's romantic to us. It feels that way to us. So and, it, it's different. Yeah. And also the, the connection is different. Like I love my friends, but I don't love them the way I, you know, I love my husband. It's that's a different love. And right. it's it's where it's the type of emotional track, uh, not attraction in this case. It's, it's the type of emotional attachment. And even there are so many things that um, you can be the same action, but uh, be can be entirely different based on, like like I know for him he likes he does like platonic cuddling, but that's completely different. Like with, with friends, but that's completely different than romantic cuddling. Right. Even though it's from the outside the same activity, it's it's different and like for me at least with like i have you know with my friends it's like i like to see them but i if i saw them every day oh my god but i can wake up every day next to this face and i don't have a problem with it um it boils down to the type of connection you have so yeah but i mean with any relationship other other than the sex and even that isn't necessarily off the table with you know platonic relationships but but like Without the sex, in general, basically, and I, and frankly, in my opinion, ideally, a romantic relationship is essentially a best best friendship, and that's what it really should be. It's it shouldn't be that far off from a platonic relationship because ideally, the person you've picked to be your partner is someone who's who is your best friend, who is one of your best friends. You know, it should be mm-hmm. one of your strongest platonic relationships, but also with the romantic attachment right so yeah uh the next one is from oh boy i hope i'm not butchering this as badly as i think i'm going to i think it's pronounced uh mew mew if i um you said hey there thank you for your work on this podcast i just broke up with my boyfriend last few over the last few days because we discussed my sexuality and for him romantic relationship was not an option uh and he would have to have sex with other people um I guess in order to... It was not an option if he had to have sex with other people. Oh, okay. Sorry. I misinterpreted that sentence. Okay. Uh, my question is how to start a relationship with someone who is sexual. Thank you for your kindness and your great work. Um, thank you for your feedback you. and compliments. Yeah. Um, that is rough. And, yeah, I'm sorry to hear about your breakup, but uh, it sounds like based on the two of you that it's probably something that will be healthier for both of you in the long run. Uh, the fact of the matter is, what some people's needs are sometimes is just entirely different from what another person's needs are. And sometimes that's in a way that's irreconcilable. And to some people, and I'm not talking uh, just like all sex, like for sexual people, for some, for a lot of sexual people, um, sex isn't as Im- isn't that important. It's not like this huge thing that's so 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 important and it's you know it can be important to them but it's not like it's not as strong as it is to other people because there are some people that are that do tend to be a little more close to like the classic portrayal where it's like it's the most important thing and it's a deal breaker but some people it is that important to them and for them it is a deal breaker right but there are a lot of sexual people out there who um boy, I'm just going to be citing him all podcasts. Like, my husband, where uh, sex is not the most important or even remotely close to very high on the list for him to uh, a relationship. That's low on the list of needs 
and wants and wish list um, for him. So there are, and there are a lot of sexual people who, and I mean, it's probably, you could probably think like, well, I don't see, well, that's because they're generally not going to be talking about it a lot, but everyone has a different, to a different extent from zero to 10 to occasionally 11 of how important sex is to them. And as with any scale, most people probably will fall somewhere in the middle. Classic bell curve, most likely. Yeah. Um, uh. So I think for for asexuals, one of the important things is, I guess, early on in the relationship, and it, and it always sucks to be in the kind of position to have to do this, but it's something I think that has to be discussed early on um, because it's something that will impact the relationship. And I think it's something to discuss at that kind of stage where you're getting serious like at the same stage where i think you'd especially once you're um you know a bit older where you'd start to discuss things like what are your views on like marriage kids that kind of thing the kind of questions that you start to ask that determine whether or not this is someone who matches your goals in a long-term partner around mm-hmm. that same time this would have to just be one of the, the a question to add to that list because again this is something that needs to be found out uh, when you're starting to get serious with someone. I don't think it's necessarily something you got to break out on the first date. But uh, when you start to get serious with a person, I think that's when you got to be like, is this something that's going to work for both of us? Are you going to be okay with this? Is this going to be something you can handle? Or do you know yourself enough to know that it won't? Right. Um, yeah, like you said, like it, it, it's one of those things that you start talking about whenever you... Uh, get to that to that kind of point of no return. Well, not point of no return, but that mm. kind of point where um, where it starts looking like things are gonna get gonna get serious. And I mean, like for for instance, in, in my relationship, um, like my girlfriend is ace, but my boyfriend isn't. So lucky him, he's one dude with two ace girlfriends, and. We work fine. I mean, it, and sex is not something that happens in our relationship, and it and it works because it's like it's not a big deal. Um, that's not why. That's not why we're in a relationship with each other. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's based on on you know mutual compatibility and and so on. And so like it's 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 not a, like you said it's not a deal breaker for everyone. Um, and it just, it, it just may be a bit harder. To find something. yeah it, it does make things a little bit more difficult to find I mean because even if you're dating another ace there may they may be a sex favorable ace while you're a sex averse ace or vice versa or I mean mm-hmm. it, it, it it's it, it does complicate matters a little bit but it's far from impossible to find um it, it it's all just about as cliche as it sounds finding the right person. Um, or the right people, depending on your situation, um, that, you know, that are, that, 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 that kind of thing is, is compatible with. Um, mm. and I mean, in that said, I mean, it, another thing that to remember about relationships, especially when you get into stuff, stuff like committed relationships, where it is a, an established relationship and, you know, you've got partners and, and whatnot, it's, it's important to remember that, um, there are ways to compromise, like maybe not sexually, but um, there are ways to build intimacy that don't necessarily involve sexual favors. And if, if yeah. certain sexual favors are something that you are comfortable with doing and 
you know, maybe, maybe you don't personally get anything out of it, but you're not uncomfortable doing them or you don't mind doing them, then you can maybe, you know, say, Hey, you know what? I understand that this is important to you. It doesn't negatively affect me to do it. Um, but so I, I will, you know, I'll meet you halfway. I'll do this for you. And then here's something that I really enjoy that maybe you won't get as much out of as I do. And, you know, you, you work with your partners and it's about, it's all about open communication and, yeah, and what you're comfortable with, yeah. And what you're comfortable with. Now, that said, don't simply have sex with your partner just because they want it and you don't. If it's something that's traumatic for you, then obviously that that's a that's a hard boundary. Um, yeah, or even but, if it's just something you're not willing to do. Right, right. So I don't ever want it to sound like I'm telling people like, oh, just do it because yeah, no, don't don't do that. But yeah, don't don't compromise yourself. Right. Don't don't compromise your own emotional stability to. Um, appease someone else obviously um an anonymous submitter asks can you please talk a bit about how to tell people that you're interested in dating that you're ace and if you're comfortable maybe you could talk about any issues the two of you have had dating as ace people thank you you're welcome (laughs) um again like this this kind of feeds off of what we were just talking about um it's one of those conversations, like Blue said, where, you know, you have it when things kind of start look like they're going in that more of a serious direction. And it's it kind of, I don't know that it, this is really not my area of expertise, I'll be mm. honest, because I haven't really had to have that conversation too many times. Yeah. Um, most of the time when I've started dating someone, they already knew because we either met through ace circles or... I mean, yeah. I'm pretty visible with my, my aceness, so um, yeah, that's, it's really not a conversation I've ever had to have. That's actually where I kind of want to add a little addendum to what I said in the last one, um, where, um, like, I said, like, it's a conversation you have when things are getting serious. However, I think it's also potentially a good idea to, early on, uh, drop, like, leading questions and see how they reply. Bring up the topic. Don't necessarily bring up the topic in yourself, but bring up the topics. Try and see if you can find out their thoughts on it uh, beforehand. Uh, if yeah, you can, that's, like, that's a good indicator about whether or not it's even safe to come out, right? Yeah, like if you can find a way to like get their opinion on something uh, before having to necessarily say that it, that it's you then it's a good way to know whether or not it's it's you're going to be able to tell them or not. And if you if you and if you manage to get a question or out or whatever or get a topic on and you find that they're just like completely against it, then you know not to waste your time. But if they seem to be pretty positive about it and like, "Oh yeah, no, I I know I've known ace people. Yeah, whatever. Uh it's cool. Good for them." And and then then you have more of a chance of it going positively and then you know it's worth potentially actually getting into it. And right. you could even lead that, have that be a conversation leading into it, or you could just save that information for the future. It's up to you. Yeah, you can use that as a lead-in to say, okay, well, you know, if, you know, find out what they know about asexuality and then kind of be like, well, have you yeah. ever dated anyone? Would you ever date anyone? You know, which even that could be a little bit, you know, thin ice, to, so to speak. But Yeah, it can, it can be hard to... But if you can think of a way to kind of like naturally bridge the conversation there, it, would really, it really helps. Yeah. Um, the second half. Yeah. Um, the, I think one of the main things that I faced that would, that I would maybe call an issue was 
I had a lot of trouble early on trying to define the relationship as, mm. as, as you know, okay, well, what does this kind of a relationship mean to me as an asexual? Like, how do I, you know, how do I, how does this kind of solidify in my head? And so it was always kind of like, well, figuring out, especially whenever you're a bit newer to dating and it's like, well, do I want to try kissing? And what happens if I don't like it? And do I want to do the hand holding? And okay, this is, you know, the whole physical proximity thing is a little bit uncomfortable and, you know, sweaty after a while because, hmm. you know, I live in Houston, Texas and it gets humid down here. So even just holding hands with somebody in the summertime, you get clammy. It's not pleasant. Um, yeah. And, you know, and that's a really hard thing to kind of try to figure out especially if you're older like I was when I initially started dating um because if you're dating someone that's around the same age as you and especially if they're not ace you know they've got a mm -hmm. little bit more dating experience or they've already worked that stuff out a long time ago and so yeah. the patience isn't always there when you're trying to figure things out and that can be rough um it's uh I mean yeah that's pretty much been the main thing I mean and dealing with other people's expectations and, and boundaries and trying to make compromises and not always succeeding in the way that, you know, they want you to, that, that can be a bit difficult. That's something that I've, that I've dealt with, but you learn and you grow and you, you learn from mistakes and you learn from, from, you know, incompatibilities and, um, from that kind of stuff and you, you move on and you're like, okay, well this, you know, you, you learn yourself and you learn your preferences and your boundaries and what you can and can't do. And yeah. I'm rambling a bit, but yeah. <laughs> um, as for, as for me, um, I've never really like started a relationship anew since I realized I had the issue of, I, we did have the, I did have the issue that when, when him and I started dating, um, with the first time it it ended badly because it was smack dab in the middle of that six month so that I mentioned early, so it went i mean it wasn't necessarily the only reason I had some serious uh personal shit to go through and development and growth to do um but that was a big part of it is that it was realizing that during at the same time that that went bad. But, yeah, and then when we got back together, you know, we'd known each other for so long, and also we'd dated before, so... And he was such an integral part to helping me emotionally over the last four years that it wasn't an issue, because he knew everything by that point. So, yeah, unfortunately, I guess I, I don't really have much uh, on that one either. Um, the next one, also from an anonymous, possibly related, I don't know... Um, this one will, thankfully, hopefully, be a bit of a shorter one. Um, can an asexual be in a relationship with someone who's not asexual? Yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we've we've kind of covered that to an extent. And like I, mentioned, like I mentioned, I'm married to someone who isn't asexual. And, and yeah, I think this one we can pretty much sum up as we, did, we covered that earlier. And um, that, yeah, it's possible. It may be a bit difficult, more difficult finding a person uh, to be in the relationship with. And I think that's right. true really for most minority orientations. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's not just asexuals, you know, like bisexuals have to go through this too, even within like the LGBT community, finding people who are, cause you know, there are still people out there who aren't, won't date someone who's bi. So it's, it's not like just for, to us. So I think that's just kind of inherent to minority, um, orientations that it will be a bit tougher finding someone, but there, there are going to be people who, who you will be able to find a relationship with. Oh yeah, definitely. And like I said, um, it, I as well am in a relationship with someone who's not ace. So I mean, it yeah, it definitely can't happen. Thanks to both those anonymous askers. Thank you. Um, so this next one is um, all of the rest of these questions are all from the same person, but they had several questions, so we're going to split them up between the two of us and answer them um, in the order that they're listed yep. so that we're not reading the whole thing off at once and then trying to go back and backtrack and answer the different parts. So yeah. um, this is from Orla and they said, Hey there, I love your podcast. It's helped me so much with coming to terms with my asexuality as an 18 year old. It's very, it's a very weird stage of my life. So having something like your podcast is incredibly supportive. Thank you so much for that. Orla. That's Yay. very sweet of you. Um, and they say, I have a that, question. I'm sorry? I just wanted to say, like, that does mean, like, I, I'm very glad to hear. That does mean a lot because one of my biggest things is if I can help people be able to, like, not have to go through what I had to go through to figure this all out. If the more that I, like, having people have the resources they need to not have to go through that makes me really happy. And it's really it makes me really happy to know that I'm helping that we're that we're helping with that so i'm really really glad to hear that yeah absolutely same um it's one of the reasons that projects like this and the blog and and stuff that that they got started was because this is such a still quite a young community and we need resources and we need to we need to take it upon ourselves to help each other out and so if we're able to do that with this podcast then mission accomplished in my mind honestly (laughs) um so orla says i have a question somewhat regarding romantic orientation does a lack of sexual attraction delay romantic attraction to an extent um i i haven't seen anything any studies like anything official done to address this um so i mean i scientifically speaking or you know research wise i i can't say for sure myself um that said i think that the tie-in for non-ace people that that do equate sexual or sexual attraction to romantic attraction maybe because it's a linked thing for some people yeah. Um, that might have an effect, but I mean, I don't think that it's, I mean, it's hard for me to, to explain because I'm, I'm aerospectrum. So I, what yeah. even is romantic attraction a lot of the time? <laughs> I, I think the, I think part of the problem is the way I see it, um, at least the way that I've seemed to understand romantic attraction is that it's not quite the same as sexual attraction in that sexual attraction. It's like, it's solid. It's bam. It's, 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 it happens. Romantic right. attraction, while there are times that people on the rare occasion will be like, see someone and immediately be like, 
like fall in love with them, basically, which mm-hmm. is usually infatuation, if nothing else. But romantic attraction is generally something that it isn't an instant thing. It's something that forms. It's a crush. It's something when you start to like form a crush, a romantic... I think it's something that's formed rather than something that happens. I think sexual attraction happens. Aesthetic attraction happens. Romantic attraction forms. I think is the key there. Yeah, I, I would so, say that makes sense. Because I don't think I've ever... Like, most people don't um, go around and, like, everyone they see or, like, anyone that and, and have people... Like, even, like, people who are fall in love a lot, like, the actual instance of someone saying, like, oh, I see all these people and I immediately just want to, like, usually they're looked at by most of the people as just overly, you know, sappy, romantic kind of, like, that's more, generally more abnormal for people to just, like, experience sudden romantic attraction, especially like, often. That would be more, like, along the lines of somebody being in love with the idea of love and less in love with the person themselves, right? Yeah, so I think that's... I think it's um, a problem of trying to, like, interpret sexual and romantic attraction the same way uh, and interpreting romantic attraction as it, it's not a sudden reaction. So, yeah. So the next part of the question is, you know, I'm currently struck structuring. Oh. I'm currently <laughs> struggling with labeling my romantic attractions. I feel like I don't experience it enough to truly decide what it is. Like, I'm not sure if it's just altruist or aesthetic or if it is actually romantic. I... I think for most people, it's kind of sometimes hard to tell apart, especially for people who have them all kind of lumped into one ball. Um, mm-hmm. For me, at least, if I had to think back and try to like nail down any of these, obviously sexual attractions, I don't. But uh, for me, if I could think of any times it's romantic attraction, it's times that I've been like in fact, like had crushes on people. And aesthetic, the few times I can I can think of a few times that I've had some aesthetic attraction. Where I've looked at someone and been like, I really like the way that they look, but Mm -hmm. but it wasn't, but there was no desire tied to it either either sexual or romantic. So it wasn't like, I really like the way they look. I want to like I want to fuck them, and it wasn't like, I I like the way they look. I really want to hold hands and ride a bicycle made for two with them. It was just I like the way they look, and that's kind of all there is to it. It was just, they look nice. I yeah. like their look. I like their style. But, so I think... They have a nice face. I just want to look at it. Yeah. And... It, it's like that common comparison with uh, making um, aesthetic attraction, comparing it to, you know, liking a painting or yeah. something. Like You can like the way it looks, but it doesn't mean you only want to interact with it in a certain way other than just looking at it. It doesn't want... It doesn't, it doesn't mean you want to put it on the back of a bicycle made for two and drive around. <laughs> I think most museums would frown upon that action as a whole. <laughs> it's more it's more like that scene in Ferris Bueller's Day Off where uh what's his name? Cam? Where Cam just stares at that uh yeah. Monet painting. I think is that a Monet? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Do you you? I mean obviously like it's not possible for me to know specifically what Orla is is experiencing. So I can't really answer that question for them and tell them what they're experiencing because I'm yeah. not feeling it, so I don't know. But I mean, um, and being somebody that doesn't experience romantic attraction much, if ever, it's kind of hard for me to speak to that as well. But, like, I, I think I confuse altruist and romantic a lot because the I have the craving for the physical intimacy 
and I wouldn't necessarily feel that for, I wouldn't necessarily feel that for another, for a friend. Um, I mean, I might want to hug my friends or something like that, but the, the, uh, for me being somebody that is touch averse, the actual desire to be in physical contact with another person is, it's a different type of feeling. Um, it's not platonic for me in that way because it's, it's, it's an increased form of intimacy and it's a closeness. It's, it's a wanting that physical, um, that physical representation of the emotional intimacy that I have. And it's wanting to be emotionally vulnerable around this person. And it's wanting to be just, I want to tell her everything. Every time anybody, anything happens, um, that good, bad, or otherwise I, she's the person that I talk to. She's my best friend. She's, you know, my person. Um, and a lot of times it is, it is difficult for me to specify whether I feel like that is romantic or altruist. I think a lot of the time altruist fits it a bit better. Um, and I'm not exactly sure why that is. It's really difficult to explain because it's just kind of a, a personal, this seems more right than this term. It's just, it, it, it's putting it in the preconceived pigeonhole boxes of it. And, and it's the same thing with my boyfriend. Like, you know, he's my person that I go to when I want to overanalyze something or if I want to talk about nerd shit or whatever. Like those, they, those are my people. So I mean, an aesthetic, aesthetic is easy because it's just like, wow, that person's really pretty. And I really enjoy looking at their face. And I mean, aesthetic is easy, but um, for me at least, but the altruist and the romantic, I mean, it's, I can see, I can definitely see having a hard time separating those two and trying to figure out what you're feeling because I, I honestly, I can't say for certain which one I'm feeling. Okay. So the next part of it says, um, however, I was talking to another ace friend about this who believes that it's quite normal for an ace person to look at a stranger and not experience romantic attraction but if they possibly knew more about this stranger with context then they could possibly experience romantic attraction towards them whereas aloe sexual people could possibly experience sexual attraction as their primary attraction and then romantic may follow swiftly after Basically, what she's alluding to is that asexuals don't have that primary sexual attraction, so they try, they struggle jumping to that next stage. As a result, they then lack in primary romantic attraction, too. I'm so sorry if this is terribly confusing. Well, um, first first off, don't apologize. Um, yeah, no, of course it's, not. It's a lot to untangle. Uh, I want to say I, I disagree with your friend's interpretation to an extent. And I wanted to jump on this earlier, but I knew this was coming, so I, I waited. Um, I, I do agree that with, with sexual people, it is that first jumping. They generally do start with the sexual attraction, and that tends to lead into in a case in cases mm-hmm. that it does. But keep in mind that with sexual people, nine, I think, uh, probably nine out of, out of ten sexual attractions won't even lead to a romantic attraction. Even that seems, in my opinion, to be especially people with who are sexually attracted to who find themselves sexually attracted to people all the time. It's going to be like nine point nine eight people out of ten who know. You know, it 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 generally is just like a fleeting thing. It's someone you see in a video or in a picture or on the street, and most of the time they're not. So it's 
it's some it's definitely for I believe for sexual people where that will generally start. Not always. Sometimes it's sometimes romantic attraction will flow out of a friendship, a really close intimate friendship, and then that develops. And then for sexual people, I'm assuming at that point, once that starts, then the sexual then I've I think I've, I hear you hear a lot of people saying like you know suddenly they're seeing them in a different light, and they're looking at them a way they never have before. So it's not always sexual attraction always leading into romantic attraction. So I don't think that there's necessarily a a handicap per se to ace people in this process because it's not a natural jumping off point. Or it's not not then that's not what I meant. Uh it's not the uh it's not the um one and only like jumping off point. I mean, no, I mean, I, I think you're, you're, you're absolutely right on that. Um, the, because it, it varies from person to person. Exactly. Like, it, like for instance, like you said, like it, it doesn't always start with sexual attraction. Cause like you said, it's that for some people, there's that instance, like perfect example, my parents, um, that, that kind of attraction bloomed after, I mean, um, my mom always told me the story about how she and my dad had been dating for th- about three months or so. And they had gone out to dinner with my aunt and uncle one night and my mom just kind of looked over at my dad in the middle of dinner and it was just like oh my god this man is so beautiful and you know and then suddenly that attraction was there um where you know it it yeah where you know so that that was something that came later um and just like in the case of a lot of demi people that's how it works because that sexual attraction does eventually show up but it takes you know it's not instantaneous and it takes extenuating circumstances for it to show up and even then it doesn't always but yeah if like for demi there there's a trigger for it so yeah there i don't know necessarily that there's a, a that the concept of a universal quote-unquote primary attraction is necessarily something that's feasible because everyone's yeah. different um I th- and- again i think i think just because of the way that um Romantic attraction is more of a slow build. Like, I think you can argue potentially a primary, secondary model for something like sexual attraction because there's that first attraction, which is more of like an instinctual bam kind of thing. And then there's the mm-hmm. other kind of sexual attraction, which is more of the like later in the relationship. It's it's more like established there. You could argue it. But I think with something like romantic attraction, it's much harder to argue that there's a pro- I think if there was anything to be called a primary, again, it would be the case of love at first sight. And, you know, generally that's just infatuation. It's not even, it's, in this case, it's not even just a, like everyone experiences it differently, It's it, which they do. But in this case, it's even like every person will experience it all sorts of ways. The same person can have a relationship that started off with immediate sexual attraction and led into a relationship. And I've had another relationship where it was someone they were friends with a long time that just kind of, it developed. It's... It can happen kind of generally in any order for any person. Every Any right. person can have it happen in, in any combination of orders based on who it's with. So it's not, that, it's not a one, two, three question mark profit. The last part of it was like, is it, it would also be great if you could say how romantic attraction feels to you. I think I've summed up my part on that. Yeah, I mean, I think I have too, um, i.e., I have no freaking clue. Um, I don't even know if I experience romantic attraction because things and stuff and 
what even are things and stuff. Um, I would like to say that, like, there are definitely um, – I think I was a bit incorrect in the way I did phrase some of that and that there are definitely – some people – a lot of people do definitely uh, have the potential to experience – more snap romantic attraction like seeing someone and it's not necessarily lust like seeing someone that and being like oh i feel like i really want to like i'd love to pursue a romantic relationship with them i want to i'd really like to do that so basically well i think it can I, I think i did misspeak a bit i think it can be something that snap but i think unlike sexual attraction for the most part sexual attraction the vast vast majority of the time is snap well, romantic attraction can, I think, either be snap or it can be something that forms. In my case, it was right. much more something that forms. It's something that, like, I know someone and I kind of, like, developed a crush on them. And um, I think it's it's the fact that I think, at least as far as I'm aware, for people, it can be either. And, and generally, it, the fact that it can be either... Because I'm having trouble imagining someone saying, oh, yeah, you know, I slowly started experience sexually attra- sexual attraction of the person. That seems like a weird, a weird, like, like that would mean that there's portions where you experience just a little bit. I don't know. I, I don't see, I don't, I couldn't really, I don't think I've ever really heard anyone say that sexual attraction is something that can develop gradually, at least not really. It tends, in my opinion, from what I've heard, to be more of a, snap thing or something that right unless it's something like a demi happens situation. yeah um so yeah i will say i did misspeak it's not it's not that it's not a snap thing but i think the it's more so the fact that it can be a snap thing but it also cannot be a snap thing and again even still within the same person they can ex- have experienced sexual attractions that are a snap thing and aren't a snap thing but yeah thanks so yeah that basically i think that covers it for romantic relationships uh, for this episode, um, of course, keep sending in your questions and feedback. And if you still have questions based on romantic relationships, don't feel like you've like, oh, I've missed my chance. No, still send them in, and we'll address uh, we'll address them um, on a future podcast. So don't feel like you've missed your chance. Please, still, if you have something a question to ask, please still ask it. Our theme for next week is. Libido, arousal, and masturbation. Wee! All that, so much all fun. that fun, squishy stuff. Stuff. Fuck. <laughs> just, just hit me with a dictionary and call it a day. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So, um, if you have stuff, uh, questions on those specific topics, um. If you have, say, like a whole list of questions you want to send in and one of them pertains to that, maybe throw that one at us first. But yeah, uh, so that'll be our topic for next podcast for episode 11. Uh, Thanks for joining us. And yeah, have a have a good day. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Fuck.